0: We're queer. We're geeks. We're, We're Queeks. Queeks. Superheroes. Star Wars. Broadway. Drag Race. So if you're super gay, Super Nerdy. Or anything in between,
1: listen to Queeks today. Wherever fine podcasts are sold. And find us on Instagram at Queeks Podcast.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.
2: Today I'm talking to Max, a trans activist and diversity consultant, who's sharing stories about life as a transmasculine person.
1: And when I touched him and he was just like, it's not a candle, be more gentle. And I'm like, oops.
2: (laughs) This is Probably True, stories of queer life and even queerer sex. Please be aware that this podcast contains strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them.
1: I thought it could be interesting to tell you about my life with three coming outs that I had so far. And it's like often that people look at me when I tell them like, yeah, what, three coming outs? Like... What's going on with you? Um, I like to tell the story about my mom on my wedding day, like I'm um, married to a wonderful man. And on my wedding day, my mom said to one of my friends, like, there's nothing that can shock her anymore. Because like, after having dealt with three coming outs of her child, there, there's, there's nothing else that, <laughs> that could throw her off the racks anymore. And I think I would just like to start a little bit chronologically, because like, when I was 13, I came out as a lesbian, like to tell a bit about myself, like I was female assigned at birth, and uh, lived for 20-something years an identity as a woman, or at least I thought I was that. And because when I was younger... Being seen as, as as female, like it didn't work for me to it didn't work with boys. Like I was interested in them, I played with them, but like in everything else that goes beyond playing, I was like, Oh, that's something that's weird. Like it something something's wrong, something's off. And so I thought, okay, if I'm if I'm not into boys, then I must be a lesbian. And like this is what I what I told my parents when I was thirteen and my mom like the first reaction was a bit weird, like she wanted to sue my first girlfriend because she was like nineteen and she was like, This person is like fooling like fooling around with a minor and blah 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 it was it was it was her initial reaction and then of course like this thing of like I will never have grandchildren but anyways like she overcame that and they, they accepted me and they accepted me for who I am and my because my dad he was really cool he was like yeah I understand why you like women so why not <laughs> and sorry so it was actually like that was that that was what I thought who I am and like can have wonderful relationships with women in my teens and my, like, early, early 20s. and But then there was something, like, you know, along the way, like, all this time that I was, that I felt like I was searching for something. I felt restless all the time and I was always, like, really, like, hyperactive and just, like, not knowing what was going on because I couldn't settle. I couldn't, there was something, there was something more. And I remembered that when I was 18, like I went to this women's festival and there was a drag king workshop, you know, and I, and I was like, OK, what's that? I've never heard of it. Like, I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to try it out and see what's going to happen. There was like these two really gorgeous drag kings that helped other people for the first time, you know, to to dress up. Like, I mean, I was always I was always like this butch type, uh, butch dyke person. And like I was al- already looking a bit more what people stereotypically would describe as masculine. And like short hair and jeans and like, you know, like just a typical, typical butch tag. <laughs> and so they, they helped us, you know, like to, to put a beard on your face and like to, um, to bind your chest, like to, to get a flat chest with like um, just bandages, like trying to, to make it as flat as possible and stuff like that. And I, I was 18 back then. And the, I remember the moment when I walked into the bathroom and looked at myself in the mirror. I was just in complete shock. Like, I was so shocked in that moment that I just immediately... My immediate response was just, like, washing everything off. Like, washing the beard off, taking the bandages off. Because I was, like, so overwhelmed with the feeling in that in that particular moment. From that moment on, I, I really tried hard to pass as, like, a feminine-appearing woman. Like, I bought push-up big uh, bras and, like, stuff that I never wore before. Because I felt like, oh, my God. Like, there's something I need to counter, in a way. And... Obviously, that failed <laughs> because like, back then I was still living in the southern part of Germany. Like if people haven't heard, like I'm not a native English speaker. I live in Germany. At the moment, I'm based in Berlin. When I finished school... I moved to Berlin immediately and started my life here and obviously like because it's it's a much more diverse city than than where I came from and where I grew up like I grew up in the countryside in a very small town and all of a sudden there was like all these possibilities and like all these people that I met and amongst them was also a trans guy and I was like at first I was weirded out by this idea but then eventually you know there was there was a time I was uh, in my early 20s when I quit smoking and because of quitting smoking, I also changed my diet and radically lost like 20 kilos in like six months, something like that. I was a pre- pretty big person, and because of that, also like how my body has changed. You know, it's like my physique has changed. Like I got very slim, and you know there was definitely less curves. My boobs got smaller and everything, and I like I felt like there's a really a strong change in my body happening. And what also happened was that I dreamt multiple times that my friends were calling me Max like in my dreams my friends were calling me Max and I woke up in the mornings and I was like what the fuck is going on like what 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 is happening like what is what what is this thing you know and th- that was for me some sort of like also where my name comes from now there was a day like in June 2009 that I was at a party and like in the middle of the dance floor, I just started crying. And a friend of mine came up to me and was like, What what is going on? What's happening? What what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? Did someone do something bad to you? And I was just like, I'm I'm not a woman, you know? It's just like this was the only thing that I that I brought out. And then she was like, What what do you mean? Like, what are you? And I'm like, I don't know. I just know I'm not a woman, you know? And that was the start or like the birth birth night of Max, more or less. And for me, you know, back then it was really weird like today I describe myself as masculine someone in the masculine spectrum but I'm not a man this is something that is like a concept that does that that I don't understand I don't know who men are it's like <laughs> like this concept in society that uh which, which also comes with a lot of stereotypes and a lot of expectations and things how people should be and I might look like someone that people would describe as a man like I have a masculine appearance like I'm, I'm having a beard short hair um, body type that that stereotypically fits what people would describe as a man but like it doesn't it's not my identity and back then I thought okay if I'm not a woman again this thought when I was a lesbian you know like when I thought okay I'm not in like I, I I'm not interested or but that's not wrong like that's not right but like I can't have anything you know relationships with men in like being seen as a woman then I must be a lesbian that there is much more in between and around I didn't know that so back then I also thought, okay, if I'm not a woman, then I must be a man. But I was so uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable with that feeling and telling that to people like, hey, I'm a man. And then people were also asking me like, okay, if you're not a woman, then you're a man. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> like, I don't know. But I tried, you know, like I tried to to, to experiment and also like what I what I want to do and like how to phrase it and how to find words for who I am um, that I basically just started. Like it was, a, it was my birthday a few, few weeks later after that party night and I told people like there is a surprise guest. There will be a surprise guest at my party. And I remembered what I learned in the drag king workshop and put on a beard and like got a binder like chest flat and I opened the door to people and said like hi I'm Max. Welcome to my party and people looked at me just like okay hi Max cool fine <laughs> like <laughs> And from then on, you know, it's like my friends, all of them really like accepted it. Um, and it was a bit like, you know, a, a little bit of a limbo because I didn't didn't know if I want to start, you know, like any physical transition with hormones or anything back then. Like I, I didn't know. And I remember a moment when we went to a party and I went into the men's room, like men's restroom to pee. And a friend was just like yelling into the bathroom, like with my old name. Are you in there? And I'm like, Ugh. like. Why does this have to happen <laughs> for them you know for them it was confusing but they
2: tried did you respond kind of like no but max is i can't remember what i said like
1: but i just remember that moment very well um just like like inner clinching of like oh jesus <laughs> But anyways, like it was, it was a good time. But at the same time, I was also very conflicted because you know I, I, I knew that like Max is who I want to be. But like at the same time, I was working. I did a um, three year job training as a carpenter in a really hostile place, and I couldn't tell them. You know, I, I went into the place in the morning wearing a bra because I didn't want anyone asking questions like "Where's your breast? Like why are you, is your flat chest or whatever." So I, I lived this double life, and also didn't know because I didn't find the right words. I didn't know how to tell my parents. And I finished this job training in 2010, and went on a six-month, half-around-the-globe trip um, with a friend. And there was a day, like when I was—I I, remember—I was, like, was like swinging in a hammock in Cambodia, and really peaceful. And then again, I started crying. And then, like my friend was like, "What's going on? Why are you crying? It's the most beautiful environment. Like, what's happening?" And I'm like, "I need to do something. Like, I can't go to bed with the same question that I wake up in the morning. Do I? Like, am I gonna?" Do something with hormones or not like am I going to change my body or not and in that moment I decided I will like I, I trusted my body and I said when I come home I'm going to tell my parents and I'm going to start with hormones and if it doesn't feel right my body will tell me like I need to trust my body and my instincts but I need to try and yeah and then like a few months later I came back home told my parents which went well like again my dad was a little bit more fluffy than my mom but they both accepted it and they were both supportive i mean they said some pain like or hurtful things along the way because they didn't know better but at the same time you know like they always had my back and they were always like whatever happens we're here and I know how grateful I can be for this experience you know like having them supporting me along like like along the whole way and by now I would even describe them as like trans activists themselves you know the way they they're advocating and my dad like every newspaper article that he finds about gender diversity is like I'm gonna put that in the post for you so you can read it as well it's like Mm -hmm. you know He has a scanner at home. He could just scan it and send it like (laughs) in an email, but no, he's like old fashioned and like, I'm going to put that in the post for you. It's really cute. Back then, I was also still in a relationship with a with a cis woman, and that went down the drain because like it was hard for her to to ex like she accepted it somehow, and we got to know each other in that period when I found out that I'm Max, and I told her, listen, you know, you might fall in love with someone right now, and you might have to love me in a different way in the future. I don't know yet. In the end, it didn't work. Like she she couldn't handle, she couldn't call me he didn't work for her like I was more like a neutral something but like not a masculine person because she identified strongly as a lesbian and like this didn't work for her to somehow transition out of that as well so we broke up and starting hormones I was also like I need to try new things like there is more that I want to try because like I remember that I when I identified as a lesbian, like, everyone's like, ugh, men and dicks. And And I was like, to the outside, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I, that is disgusting. But secretly at home, I was always watching gay men's porn. And I was like, always thinking like, what a shitty lesbian are you? You're betraying your tribe, you know? It's like this, because like, I I was really turned on and I was like, only watching cis gay men's porn. But like, to the outside, I was like, no, 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 dicks, ugh. But secretly I was like, oh yeah, sure. You know, it's like... (laughs) also in my head like i didn't understand that at all back then obviously then when i figured out that i that i identify as male or masculine or whatever myself and that i'm just you know i am attracted to men i'm attracted to them a lot and by now you know ever since i started with my physical transition this is also that happens to a lot of trans people that through gender affirming measures and also like the spaces you know like as a butch dyke if i was walking into a gay men's bar like this gay men's bar like no one would have turned their heads toward me. Like, except of wanting to throw me out, maybe. But, like, not of, like, ooh, who is that? And now, obviously, with my with my appearance today, that, like, a more masculine appearance, and, you know, also, like, I would describe, or, like, I, I, I know that people would describe me as an attractive person. That definitely opened different rooms to me that I didn't have access to before, that I couldn't, you know, explore before. And now, you know, I feel... I can say that I feel very much at home in cis game and spaces and like maybe to explain also cis, um, uh, I as a trans person, trans people are generally described as people who do not identify with their gender assigned at birth. And on the other side, cis people are people who do identify with their gender assigned at birth. Um, just because like if some people, if I'm using acronyms or words here and then people are like, what is he talking about? Anyway, so um, I, I'm not sure if I would say that I feel at home, but at least in some spaces I'm welcome. Like I have had my first experience with a cis guy. Uh, I was like two months or something on testosterone, still didn't have top surgery. That means like I still didn't have um, my, my boobs cut off. <laughs> <laughs> Just to put it in a simple way.
2: That's, that's very graphic. <laughs> well,
1: that's but, what happened, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it was a very sweet experience. Like, we went for a coffee first. Like, you know, it's not like this, hey, do you want to come over? Like, we had a coffee first. And then we took our bicycles and rode his, my own bicycles yeah. to his place. And I had, like, it was the first time with, like, 24, maybe? I was maybe 24. Having sex with a cis guy. You know, it's like, there's also this thing, um, I think that, that there might be some parallels to some cis gay guys who come out later in life that, like, by that time, people expect you to know what you're doing, you know? People expect you to know what in terms of sexual pleasure, what you desire, what feels good to you, and to have that figured out, what your body wants. And I didn't. I had no clue. I had no clue what to do, how to suck a dick, you know? It's like, I I didn't know.
2: If it's any consolation, I've slept with plenty of cis men in their 20s and 30s who, despite 10 or 20 years of experience, still don't know how to do things well or how to suck a dick properly so
1: absolutely no no i mean it's always like it's if people are like yeah i'm totally into trans guys and i'm like how do you know that you're into me like my body might not react exactly the same way you whoever else you've slept with and it's the same for me like with with cis guys even if i had one or two so far uh (laughs) maybe a few more um (laughs) yeah i mean like people who know me might know that i yeah Anyways, um, <laughs> let's keep it there. <laughs> no, but the thing is, you know that it's this idea that people are like, oh, because I had te- sex with this and that type of body, plenty of times. I know what's going on. Obviously, it's not. But I also remember the second, the second person that I that I hooked up with, and when I touched him, and he was just like, it's not a candle. Be more gentle. And I'm like, oops, <laughs> I'm like, I had no idea. But like this thing of like, it's not a candle. <laughs> <It's like laughs> I have no idea, but it was like, I just remember it, and it was so, like, it's just describing the situation, and like, you know, obviously learning about other people's bodies, learning about your own body, this is something that most people do just, you know, a little bit earlier than at least like in, you know, whatever happens earlier than in your mid-20s. And it's also, you know, setting boundaries. Like this is this is also something very, very particular um, that happens to trans people where boundaries are often crossed in a way that um, specifically, you know, with, with trans guys, I've heard it a few times in terms of, you know, I do a lot of work around HIV prevention, that our identity or the affirmation of our identity is connected to certain conditions. That, for example, cis guys tell... Trans guys, hey, I'm going to have sex with you. I'm going to have sex with you as a guy. We're going to have gay sex, but we're not using a condom. You get your identity affirmed like through sexual encounters and whatever you desire and like whoever you desire, but that they make it a condition to have sex with you um, without a condom, that you might go into potential risk or you do like whatever, if you're not on prep, like take sexual risk um, in, in a way. Um, just to get your identity affirmed, and that is something that is very problematic for a lot of trans people, and um, and I think a lot of people are not aware of that, and also the way of like how we are sometimes also being fetishized in a way. I don't respond, for example, on Grinder or whatever uh, dating apps there are, um, if people are just looking for FTM's. I'm like, I'm you know, I'm an individual. It's like, but on the other hand, you know, it's like. Um, this generalizing and stereotyping of, of, of trans bodies um, and that trans bodies, like I have heard it also like on these apps, some like people told me, yeah, you can't be trans, like you have too much body hair, you have too much this, you look too much like that. And I'm like, what is your idea how trans people look like? It's like this, you know, a lot of people think that we, we have to be always visibly recognizable as trans but we're not like it's the, actually like from the people that trans people that I know, most of that, most of them wouldn't be recognized as trans at all. And um, so that's something, you know, there's a lot of stereotypical images about our community um, also within the queer community and like also exclusion within the queer community that people told me, you don't belong here. You don't belong into this space. It's not your space or some like in that same bathhouse. I had an experience because I, disclose it pretty quickly like if you see okay both are interested in one another I tell people pretty quickly like what's going on because I don't want any you know surprises unwanted surprises and there was a guy that I told him like listen like it's, it's looking a little bit different down there um, but we can still have fun um, he was just like looking at me and just started laughing started laughing out loud and whoever has ever been in a gay men's dark room. There's everything but laughing. There should be more laughing. Generally, I would like that. But (laughs) that was really, you know, like like a trigger for everyone to look over to us and to be like, what the fuck is going on there? And I was just looking at him like, this is your response? Like, and I just had to go away. Like, I was prepared. Like, I have sentences prepared in my head because of the experiences and what I can respond, like in a snappy response to people if I get shit, like, from someone. But I was not prepared for being laughed at like this. I mean, it was probably his own insecurity, but still, it was like a really, really, for me, really cutting experience. Um, And that still happens. That still happens. And it even, you know, like, if it happens in, in, like, in gay spaces where I think, like, you know, gay men, cis gay men have lived through oppression and, you know, discrimination for so many years and still are. We still discriminated against. And we, like, like they should know better they should know better how rejection like rejection hurts yes and I can deal with that if someone tells me hey this is not my thing like or I'm looking for something else tonight perfectly fine absolutely fine but if it comes in a disrespectful behavior that someone laughs at me because of my identity or my body or whatever it is then this is a problem you know and as I said you know the community should know better and we should uh, just you know accept one another no matter what If we're big, if we're small, if we're trans, if we have a dick, if we don't have a dick, if we have one ball, if we have two balls, whatever, or no balls at all, that's just the diversity of our community and the diversity of our bodies, you know. It's like, and that's what I'm, I mean, I want to enjoy myself. I want to enjoy, you know, and I do enjoy myself, and I have, like, plenty of positive experiences. Um, and, And, but that's, as I said, why I feel like, I'm somewhat welcome in the gay community, but I'm not at home there. And this is something that I would like would like to change in the future. That wherever people like me go, they were like, "Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, you're part of it. No, no question." So that's my story of my three coming outs. Of like, first as a lesbian, then as a trans person, then as a whatever gay, queer, trans-identifying person who likes to suck dick. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I have so many questions. With the experience in that bathhouse, how did you feel? What was your reaction at that? If you don't mind talking about it, just because to be naked and have someone like literally laugh, how did it feel for you? And and how did you deal?
1: I mean, in that moment, I had to leave. Like, I left the place, and I and I and I think it took a while until I went back there. Um, But at the same time, you know, there is um, there's also like limit. Like, I would say like there's limited options for trans people with non-normative bodies um, or even the ones who who like you know transition into a normative uh, binary gendered body um, it's it's you know it's it's always like a little bit of a limbo to to disclose and to find people you know like and like on on apps like I have it present like on my profile very clearly written that um, like even if I like that i'm ftm whatever you know like an acronym female to male um trans person and i ask people did you read my profile every time like even if they're like oh yeah that you look sexy and like uh, it's, it's a desire that i wanted to try and it's also this thing like i, I want to p- be a piece of cake but it's like a language a lot of people use like i want to try and i'm like mm. <laughs> but anyways um so if you ever approach it no if you ever try tran- like if you ever approach a trans guy don't use the word I want to try because, like I said, we're not a piece of cake or a shirt that you try and you put back on the rack if you don't like it. Anyways, um, for me, it was there is not that many spaces in terms of like finding sexual or like physical encounters, whatever you want to call it. Um, And that place particularly, you know, like before I went there for the very first time to that bathhouse, I actually contacted them by email and asked, Am I welcome there? Like, is it okay to come? And they said, like, yes, you're very, very much welcome. Um, we even have like trained our staff for supporting um, transmasculine people who come in. As long as you pass at the door as male, you're fine. No matter how your body looks like, no matter how you uh, like, if you had like if you had any surgeries or not, as long as you pass at the door, it's fine. So, but the problem is, you know. That, for example, they don't put it on their website. Like, that is already going too far. That they would be, like, trans people welcome or trans masculine people welcome at this place or whatever it is. No, they don't put it on the website. That would be, like, something for me, like a, like an extra sign. Also, like, visibly showing it to the outside. Hey, this is a space where these people are welcome. And that also might, you know, minimize these encounters that I had that people would would start laughing if they know Oh, trans people might be present in that space. Like that also might change something in the headspace of of other like cis masculine or cis male visitors. Yeah. Wow. Men and masculinities come in all different shapes, sizes, appearances, whatever. This is a male space or whatever they call it, like a space for men. And I can On the one hand, I can somewhat understand, you know, that non-normative sexual desires or relationships are still not 100% accepted in society, no matter if we have marriage equality or whatever blurb there is. And I think these specific spaces are important, that they exist, that that where people can also like live sexuality in whatever way, like in a a liberated way and in a safe, more or less safe way. And also, like, Festival for Men or something. Like, there were discussions in Berlin. There's, like, one particular festival for men and masculinities. They're open to trans trans masculine people uh, and were from the very beginning. And people were also discussing with me, like, but why do we need these spaces? Like, and I was the same. When I heard about it first, I was like, another space for men. But, like, having attended that festival for the first time a few years ago, I was like, ah. Okay, but that actually makes sense because like what a lot of, I think, cis people don't understand or like what they are not even aware of is like there is this this constant comparison, but also like trying to make clear that people don't see you as something else, like don't see you as female or don't see you as a woman. And in that space, like that all fell off and people were just people. There was not this, oh, I need to perform in a certain way because there is a woman or someone that I read as female present. Just to subconsciously distinguish myself from that person. So all these men in that space, I have never seen so much emotionality, vulnerability, tears and everything among men. And I think that would radically change if there was just one female or like a person that would be seen or read as female present in that room. Because then the subconscious bullshit in people's heads starts again of like, oh. I'm different from that person and other people need to see that I'm different from that person. So I can't react in a way that would be associated with that person. <laughs> it's like, do you understand? It's a bit complex, but...
2: Yeah, we're just a bit fucked up, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> just generally, just, just as a species. Yeah. Excellent. I'm really fascinated by this idea that when you were watching cis male porn, you felt like a traitor to your <laughs> people, essentially.
1: But it's also narrative, you know, like within lesbian contexts that there's like... I mean, there is obviously the stereotype that all lesbians are men-hating witches, you know? Um, And that comes from somewhere. And it's also, I think, a narrative... And I think that might also has been like has changed. I mean, that is already now also like 15, 15 years ago when I was like, oh, man, but I still I mean, I loved to like had a gay friend um, who I went out with every Friday and I loved making out with him. And like he was I think for him, it was just fun of like, yeah, yeah, I'm just making out with my lesbian friend. And I was always like, oh, you know, I want you. <laughs> he was a great kisser. But anyways. Yeah but that was that I mean I think it's all about these these narratives certain communities are also very rigid that it's like you can identify as a lesbian but you can still enjoy having sex with cisgender men, why not? Why 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 is that a problem? Or if you if you're a straight married guy, happily married, but you still like to suck dick every now and then, you can still be straight. It doesn't have to change your identity, and it's and that is something that we should normalize a discussion around that sexual attraction, emotional attraction, and sexual fantasies. They don't always have to align like that. These are three different components, and if everyone just looks inside themselves and just thinks about like, oh yeah, my fantasies are. Might might not match what I actually live in my sexual life, but that's perfectly fine. And even like if my sexual desires are different from my emotional desires, perfectly fine. It, identify however you want, and like let other people identify however they want. And I think this is something where we need to start to just like really accept that lines are blurring and that they are not as rigid. In like regards to sexuality, in regards to se- uh, gender identity, everything should be a little bit more wide and open and fluid. And you can forth, go
2: forth and back. <laughs> That's a very good point. It's not as if once you've chosen one, you've got to stick with that forever.
1: Depends on people, depends on context, depends on, you know, in my case, self-identification, whatever changes. Um, there are opportunities and it's fine to be open to opportunities and uh, to different views. And it's always fine to change your mind if presented with new information. So,
2: Of the three coming out... Which would you say you found created the biggest reaction? Or was there one of the three in particular where people were like, all right, this is a big shift?
1: Um, definitely. I mean, like, the, in, I, think, I think in my personal um, circles and my personal surroundings, like, none of them were a big deal. Like, obviously, like, when you come out as a 13-year-old girl back then as a lesbian, you get shit in school. And you get, you know, like bullied at school. I, I was bullied anyways, like because I was big and because I was like always not fitting in, you know. So that didn't make a huge change for me. But certainly like coming out as trans, that was a big deal because specifically of the structural discrimination that trans people still face in society today. And I mean, like it's like all this shit that I had to go through in order to change my name legally and to change my gender marker. Like I changed it to male because like back then, like oh, because there are no other option for trans people in Germany As I said, I I knew that I wasn't a woman, so it's easier for me to just stick with the M in my passport. That's fine, and but specifically, I wanted to change my name and like this process that I had to go through and like a really humiliating process of psychologists and psychiatrists trying to prove. That I'm trans and they need to, you know, they need to go through all these assessments with like strangers that don't know you and tell them your whole life story and how you have sex, with whom you have sex, what you experience, what you feel like when you're having sex, what your sexual fantasies are. Like everything to the detail is like how many times I go and poop every day, how the consistency of my poop is. And you know, like, what has this to do with me? But they, that's what they asked me. I had to talk to two psychologists and these 20 pages reports each were sent to court to tell the court, yeah, well, this person is trans or this person is not trans. Like in my case, luckily, they decided in my favor, but like in other cases, they don't. And and that's something, you know, and like the, the violence that we experience as trans people that you have to come out like in medical settings, like you tell people and then they're like, oh, so you're not a real man. So you were, you were a woman and like, if I go to certain doctors, you know, like in terms of like gendered medicine, like gynecology and stuff, I have a better medical understanding of my body and I didn't study medicine. And I usually have to tell people how to treat me because they have no fucking clue. And that is something, you know, like this is physical violence that my community experiences because of not being treated right or being treated disrespectfully, or because some of us don't even dare to go to doctors anymore because like these places are not accessible. And this is still ongoing coming out process is also not done because it happens all the time over and over again if you go somewhere to a new doctor and they ask you what medication you use and you tell them like that like i take testosterone yeah why like because of this and that and they're like oh interesting tell me i've never met someone like you and i'm like how do you know how do you know that not tr- not any, like, another trans person has been sitting here? But anyways, that's unfortunately still the reality. And um, specifically, you know, in the UK, what's been going on in the past two, three years with, like, these TERFs, uh, with, like, J.K. Rowling really rambling against the community that actually also helped her to her success. Writing a book about someone who's different, about someone who has been neglected and, you know, abandoned from their family and a lot what trans people experience. And I think that's why also a lot of trans people identified so much with the stories of Harry Potter. And there was a huge base of fans, trans and gender diverse fans of, of these books. And then, you know, it's like being stabbed in the back by by someone like her is just like, it has an impact. And um, trans rights on the one hand, you know, there's a lot of movement happening and I work for a great organization and we do like we really work our ass off in order to change things. But on the other hand, the backlash is is also at the moment it's it's growing. But I won't stop fighting. <laughs> I've gotta keep doing.
2: Yes. What would your advice be if there was someone who found themselves in a situation similar to yours in the past?
1: The most important part is finding connection to community. Let it be like like, over the internet right now, there is not much, like not many other options, but like what gives me power and the fuel in my engine every single day is knowing that I have a community. Like what I have is something that the mainstream society out there, they don't have that. But what I have is community, and like this is also something you know, like coming together with other like-minded people um, or like community activists is like really something that is that really pushes me every every time, and like uh, specifically in this period right now, I miss this a lot, like this physical connection. But still, like connecting um, online with with my trans siblings is something that is really really important because we we support each other, we help each other, and there is nowhere else you know like that much of acceptance than within the own community and like that is something you are not alone. Like these like trans people, we are not alone. We've existed for really millions of years. We're not a new phenomenon, whatever people try and tell us. We've been around all this time and we will also be around in the future, no matter what other people try to tell us. That's I think my most important advice. And you know, like don't let anyone tell you that you're wrong, that you're sick or whatever. You're not. We're fabulous. We're beautiful. We belong. And we, we have a right to exist with dignity and respect.
2: Love it. If people wanted to get in touch with you, are you on the <laughs> socials at all?
1: I am on the socials. Like uh, one can find me just on my like I have a website. It's max uh, dash appenroth like a p p e n r o t h dot com, and I'm also on Instagram maxfabmax because I'm fabulous. So it's like max f a b max. That's the best way, I think, to get in touch with me, to find me or, like, to read about what I do.
2: That was Probably True, the multi-award-winning storytelling podcast created to remind all of our queer siblings that we are none of us alone. If you like what you heard and you want me to keep doing it, you can support the show at patreon.com forward slash probably true. This week's Patreon compliments go to David Powell, who is the kind of person you don't mind being locked down with and almost certainly won't try to kill. And Garrett, who's one of those friends that you'd pause the TV if they rang so you could pay attention. If you want your own Patreon compliment, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash probably true.